him a big hand this morning. I couldn't. You know, a man can preach after an atmosphere like this. And I'm feeling you this morning. I feel we've come here with anticipation. It is a privilege to be here. It's an absolute honour to be here. Uh, just getting to know your pastor. He's a, uh, what a man of God. What a, what a blessing it is for you guys to have him and his wife here blessing you guys. And so I, I am from, um, from Australia, born, born in Perth, Western Australia, and I've been a Christian for about 20 years. I grew up in church, but I lived like a devil is what, what I was. And so uh, people wonder, does the devil come to church? He does. He, he's very faithful to church. Sometimes he sits on the front row. No offence to anyone on the front row here this morning. But sometimes he says, hey, glory to God, amen, hallelujah. And, and he's the big... So I was a devil in church, but Jesus did a miracle for me. I, I, was, uh, I, was, a, I was a drug addict for about five years and uh, ended up in rehab on medication. I was an, an intravenous user, was really messed up on meth. And I was so close to committing suicide at age 20. I was, I was ready to check out. And I grew up in church and I, I knew about God, but I had never been to the cross. I'd been to church, but I'd never been to Calvary. And I was in church, but I was not in Christ. And there is a difference. But at age 20, I came broken to God. I gave God the scraps. I gave God a mess. And I don't know how he did it, but he, he's a good God, isn't he? Come on, give it up for Jesus this morning. Father, we thank you for your salvation. It, it blows my mind what God can do with such a mess. And sometimes we think, how does God do what He does? Don't worry about it. Just let Him do what He does. He's God. We're not God. We just need to appreciate Him, bless Him, let Him move in our lives. And God will always do more than what you ask Him to do. You ask Him to do this, He does exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask and think. You come for a healing of the body, He'll heal your body and your soul all at the same time. You come just to get restored, He restores you and puts you in the ministry. You come just to get happy, He brings you happiness and gives you happiness to share in the whole city. And so there is a great atmosphere and presence of God here. I've come here to preach, I've come here to boast on Jesus this morning. We're gonna brag on Him because He's worthy to be bragged about. And I'm just reminded on this Sunday morning that our Saviour that we serve, even though He is invisible, there are people that have seen Jesus. I pray all the time, I wanna see You, Lord. But you know, one of the closest to Jesus, one of the closest men to Jesus was a man named John. And John knew Jesus really well. They were bros. John was the one that lent on Jesus' side during the Last Supper. John was the one who went on the mountain with Jesus. But after Jesus was crucified, resurrected and glorified, the next time John, the beloved disciple, saw Jesus, Jesus was different. So I wanna tell you this morning, Jesus Christ is not bleeding today. He's not on the cross. He's not a man of sorrows anymore. He's not weeping with a spear in his side, but he's a champion. He's risen. He's on the throne above the heavens and the earth and he's not weeping anymore, but he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when John saw him, John just, John, he said, I nearly died 
That's why you shouldn't ask to see Jesus unless you're ready to go to heaven tonight. Amen. <laughs> Lord, show me your glory. God says, if you saw my glory, you won't live. And I think sometimes what we see in our services is a sprinkling and it's a crumb, but you know what? It's enough. Even a crumb from the master's table will get cast the devils out of you. It'll save you and it will heal you because the fullness of God's power is incredible. But I wanna present Jesus to you. I'm a, I, I feel like I relate to Reinhard Bonnke, one of my heroes. Reinhard Bonnke, I love when he said and made the statement that he realised after 20 years of ministry, he only had three sermons, the ABCs of the Gospel. He said, I have three sermons. I preached them a few different ways, but my message is Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the afternoon, and Jesus in the evening. We need Jesus. Our world needs Jesus. Guess what? We have Jesus. Please don't weep this morning as though you wished. Man, I wish Jesus was here. Jesus is here. But He lives in you these days. And I wanna talk to you about one of the greatest things I can think to talk about on a Sunday morning. I wanna talk about the purpose that you have for God. Every one of us has a purpose and a destiny. I don't believe that anybody is a mistake. If somebody told you you're an accident or a mistake, they were lying to you. God doesn't make mistakes. He's never made a mistake in His life and He never will. Now, God does make people and we can lose our way and we can be on our way to hell, but thank God, God comes to restore us. And I wanna talk to every single person here. You have a part to play in God's kingdom. See, there's nothing that Jesus can do in the city of hell without your body. Tell me one thing Jesus can do without you this morning in this city. See, if there's sick people out there, it's not Jesus that's coming down to heal them. It's Jesus through you that's gonna heal them. If there's demonised people out there, God's not sending angels, He's sending you. It says in the last days that we will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Now it's not our power, it's God's power, it's Jesus, but using our body. And one of the things that I remember reading about, who, who knows who T.L. Osborne is? Do you know him? He was, he was a, a bit of a contemporary and a mentor of uh, the general Benson Itahosa, who knows who he is? I'm sure many people know. T.L. Osborne, they, they were contemporaries. And T.L. Osborne made a statement. He said that we don't need to be super spiritual as Christians. The reason is God doesn't need any more spirit because God is spirit. So God says, I don't, I don't need your spirit. What I really need in these last days is a body to put my spirit into. When you have a human and a person that is separated to God, that has killed the flesh, that wants God, and God's Spirit comes into them, you have a Jesus person. That's who Jesus was. He, he was the Son of God, but He was also a man from Jerusalem, a Jewish man who was filled with God's Spirit and went about helping people. This morning, Every one of us, we are called to be Jesus' people, people that have Jesus in us that will go out and be a blessing to people. So let's read the book of Acts. Is we're, going to we're going to take our reading from the book of Acts, chapter one, the very first chapter, 
The title of the message this morning is Continuing the Ministry of Jesus. How many want to continue His ministry? That's why I get worried about too many ministries. We don't need any more ministries in these last days. We don't need others to rise up. We don't need something new. We just need to continue His ministry. You can't, perf- you can't make Jesus any more beautiful. You can't perfect Him. There's nothing that needs to be added to Jesus. He's perfectly perfect. What He does need is just to be continued. The things He's begun, that we would, we would continue them in our generation. And Acts... The the book of Acts is all about a group of men, the apostles and the church, who simply got so filled with Jesus that Jesus came out of their ears and their noses and their paws and their eyes. They were just soaked in God and those dudes turned the world upside down. There wasn't a lot of them, but they changed their entire generation. And I believe there's another generation right here that's gonna come on the scene that's gonna believe what the Word of God has said, that is gonna get filled and fueled, anointed, appointed, get an unction to function this morning. Glory to God. And we're gonna go out to our city and we're gonna terrorise the devil instead of him tormenting us. We're gonna torment him. We're gonna wake him up before he gets out of bed. Instead of us being on the offensive, we are to be a thorn in his side. We want him to tremble and we're gonna go out looking for people, healing them and saving them. We're gonna do it by the power of the Holy Ghost. How many love the Holy Spirit? He is Jesus. Give Him a hand this morning. We thank You, Holy Ghost. We invite You into this service. We're asking You to anoint the Word this morning. Bless the people, God. All all, all of those that need a miracle, heal their sicknesses. And if you need a miracle this morning, please don't wait for me to lay my hand on you. You need the, the hand of God. Most of the miracles that I... I get to see God do. I feel like I have a front row seat and I'm just watching the Holy Ghost show. Most of the miracles happen spontaneously. You don't need to fly around the world to get some prophet or some man of God to lay hands on you. Jesus is the one you need to lay a hand on you. He puts His hand on you. You'll never be the same again. Let's read together Acts chapter 1. Verse number one, I want to show you something you may have never noticed in the very first verse. The Bible says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, listen to these next group of words, of all that Jesus began to do. You know, I, I, I know English language, the English language, actually, I don't know the English language apparently. <laughs> I know the English language well enough to know that when I read that word began, it means that Jesus never finished what he started. And there was a finished work of Jesus, which was the cross, but there's a whole ministry that he only began. It says in the miracle that Jesus did, the first miracle, waters into one, this beginning of miracles. So he began them to show us how to do them. So we'd continue. This is what it says. Of all Jesus began both to do and teach, Until the day he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. It says he presented himself alive. You know the story. He was walking through walls, eating bread and fish, telling them to touch him. He said, I'm not a ghost. I'm a real man. Jesus is a real person this morning. 
He's a real person. He's risen. He's, he's a real person. He proved for 40 days he was alive. Speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God, it says one day in verse four, all the, all the, all the boys were there, all the disciples. Jesus probably walked through the wall. <laughs> He's just there in the midst of them. Being assembled together with them, he gave them a command and this is what the command was. He said, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. He says, you boys don't have enough to go out and reach the world. Teaching is not enough. Even the power I've given you so far is not enough. You need to wait till you get version 2.0, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they said, is this when you're gonna come and sit on the throne of Israel? Will you set up the kingdom at this time? Jesus said, I'm gonna paraphrase. He said, that's none of your business. Just don't, don't trouble yourself with things you don't need to know. He said, but as for you, it's not for you to know the times and seasons the Father has put in His own authority. Listen to this, verse eight. Let's read this together on the count of three. You ready? Verse number eight, Acts 1.8. Let's read this together. One, two, three. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the ends of the earth. Church, I was unto the ends of the earth last month. I was in New Zealand. The furthest nation and city from Jerusalem is New Zealand. I was on it. I realised I was standing on the soil of the nation that would be the last day's catalyst for revival. If you take a tape measure and measure from Jerusalem, the furthest city is New Zealand, South Island. Jesus says the Gospel will start in Jerusalem. It'll go to the next city and the next city and city after city after city after city until there's no more cities. Not till everybody's saved, but once everybody has heard the Gospel, that's when I'm coming back. And if we want Jesus to come back, we have a lot of work to do. We still have nations to take. My pastor made this statement that was a funny statement. He said, somebody once said if Coca-Cola was given the job of world evangelism, the world would be reached. They have that liquid gold in every single nation. <laughs> Popping the cans, drinking the mirror. If, but I'm here to tell you there's another generation that's coming on the scene. Now we don't have to be perfect. Peter wasn't perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. But what we do have to be is vessels of God's Spirit. And we're just gonna have to get God possessed. We're gonna have to get a little bit over the edge. We're gonna have to get a little bit excited. We're gonna have to have experiences with God. And that comes through the baptism of the Holy Ghost so we can continue the ministry of Jesus. Let's have a look. We better start the message. That's just a very, very long introduction this morning. We'll be out of here by tonight at some time, I'm sure. Hallelujah. We have food to eat that others don't know about. That's the food of God this morning. Continuing Jesus' ministry. Now, when I look in the Gospels, I just see who Jesus is. I thank God that He gave us four Gospels. The Gospel means the good news. I'm a good news preacher, the same as Reinhard Bonnke was, the same as T.L. Osborne was, the same as our own founder, 
Pastor Wayman Mitchell was. I, I preach good news. I have no bad news for you this week because the gospel is good news. And we are gonna talk about sin and hell, but even there's good news in that. The good news, if you're a sinner, you can be saved. The good news, if you're heading to hell, you can get on the path to heaven. There's even good news if you're sick this morning. I rejoice when they're sick in church because it means we can see miracles. If we never had sick people, we'd never have healings. If there was never desperate situations, we'd never see miracles. But it's when there's unsaved, hurting, broken, sick people, we can see the ministry of Jesus living. And if you follow Jesus in all of the four Gospels, what you notice about Him is He was like a magnet for the broken people. That's why all the religious people hated Him. He said, why does He hang around the prostitutes? Well, He hangs around the prostitutes because they need help. This woman that's selling her body, she's broken. But these Pharisees didn't get it. Why does He hang around the sick? Why does he hang around those, the, the riffraff? And Jesus hung around them because they're the ones that need salvation. It's the lost that need to be found. And I follow the ministry of Jesus through the Gospels. Do you know every, every sick person he encountered, he healed them. The Bible says in places there were cities Jesus entered and he healed all who were sick. So if there were 10,000 sick people there, by the time they left, every single one of them was healed. Whenever he encountered the blind, he didn't make them half. Can you imagine if he said, your faith has made you half and one eye stayed closed? <laughs> he said, no, your faith has made you whole and they'd receive both eyes. If they were crippled, Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. If they were demon possessed, he didn't kick the demon possessed out of church. He kicked the demon out of the man, left the man in church, as Mr. Derek Prince used to say. If they were dead, he raised them from the dead. Every funeral we read Jesus going to, Jarius's funeral. Come on, we're getting straight into it this morning. Jarius's funeral, the widow's son. What's she gonna do without her son? And Lazarus, who was his friend. Every funeral Jesus went to, he brought the dead back from the dead. And the ministry of Jesus is summed up in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, you heard about the Lord Jesus, how He went about doing good. He just did good to people. If they were hungry, He fed them. If they needed a hug, I'm sure He would have given them a hug. If they needed an ear to talk to, He would give them His ear. If they needed a miracle, He did the miracle. If they needed salvation, He ministered to the soul. If it was their body that was broken, He healed their body. And the reason that all the multitudes gathered around to even to touch the clothes of Jesus, they knew that even His clothes were charged with loving power, that if they would just touch Him, there would be a power source that would come out of that. And if they had a cancer, that cancer would be demolished by the love and power of God. And so there is a ministry of Jesus that doesn't need to be continued. And that's the ministry of the cross. See, on the cross, when Jesus died on, the, on that 
wooden cross for the salvation of mankind, he said those three powerful words, it is finished. Sin is finished. Torment is finished. Going to hell can be finished if people repent. Sickness finished. Depression finished. And so the the ministry of Jesus on the cross, that's a finished ministry. We can't add to that. Salvation has been paid for. I still believe that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We don't have to rub rosaries to be saved. We don't have to sip holy water to be saved. It says you can't go up there or go down there, but the Word is near you that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, you shall be saved. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I wonder how many of you tonight that you didn't get saved in a church, but you're in a hotel room about to commit suicide or you were sitting in your car about to take your life or you were at the end of yourself and God put someone, maybe an angel or a person on your scene that preached to you, that loved you and all you did is say, Lord, save me, I'm a sinner and you got saved. That's the ministry of Jesus Christ. He loves sinners I hear some preachers preach. I have to wonder if they're reading the same Bible. Hello, somebody. They preach like God's mad at sinners. No, no, no. God doesn't get mad at sinners. Preachers get mad at sinners. Don't say amen too loud. (laughs) I'm not talking about any. I can tell you that's your pastor is not one of those pastors. But I'm telling you, there are pastors out there. They preach about hell as though you think they want you to go there. They preach about sin as though there's no way out. But the Gospel is good news. Jesus didn't do that stuff. He gave hope to people. Oh, and I had God change my ministry in 2021 after COVID. God said to me, you better sit down, boy. Sit down and listen. He said, you need to stop giving people more problems. It's, 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 it's a bad day when the preacher is given. But you know what, you know what I, was, I, was, I was trying to be too heavy and preaching all this stuff that people have to do all these things. God, I felt God speak to me after COVID. People have been wounded from this season. People have lost their jobs. They're not sure about life. They've got mental things going on. When you return to the pulpit, you better preach Matthew. You better preach Mark. You better preach Luke. And you better not leave John out, but you better give them the good news. Tell them that God's not mad at them, that He wants to help them. And if they are in sin on their way to hell, that God's heart breaks for them, He's come to rescue them from hell. I believe this. God loves sinners. That's his message. So you cannot add to the ministry of Jesus on the cross. But I want to talk to you about what it mentions in the book of Acts chapter 1. Because very interesting, the writer of this book, he begins the writing in verse 1 of 1, verse 1 of chapter 1. And he says, look, I'm about to write an account. And the book that I'm going to write is the account of all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. And we could put in brackets there, but did not finish. Now the book of Acts is the continuation of the ministry of Jesus through the body of the apostles. 
that whole book. What did they do? They just did what Jesus did. And he says, this is what the whole book is about of the things that Jesus began to do. Some of the things Jesus began to do, it was the healing ministry. I love to read about the healings that he did, the paralytic man that was healed. Mary Magdalene had seven demons. Jesus didn't cast six out, he cast seven out. She was the first one at the, at the resurrection. All the men, that's still sleeping. Mary was awake early in the morning. She was at the tomb. She didn't come to anoint his body. Those guys that came to anoint the body. Jesus told you he wasn't staying in there, right? Mary didn't, she knew he was gonna be alive and risen. But the ministry of the healings and deliverance of Jesus, it was glorious. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be the man who was by the Bethesda pool? 38 years, he's got legs that don't work. He's crippled. There was even a pool where an angel would stir the water supernaturally. People would pop in the pool, get healed. But this man would always get hit out of the way. Get out of the way. And others would get in the pool. They'd get their miracles. For 38 years, a man's lame by the pool. And one day, Jesus came to him. See, we weren't looking for Jesus. He's looking for us. We sometimes say, man, I found Jesus. I'm sorry, was he lost? <laughs> Where did you find him? Under a rock, under a bush? You didn't find him. He found you. We didn't love Him, He loved us. We didn't want Him, He wanted us. Began to draw us to Himself. And that man by the pool, Jesus comes to him, do you wanna be made well? Sir, I don't have anyone to put me in the pool. He says, you don't need a pool, you need a miracle. You don't need water, you need blood. You don't need the earthly means, you need heavenly means. And Jesus with one sentence, he said, just pick up your bed and walk. And that man's leg, that would have started snap, crackling and popping. Just <laughs> received his legs straightened and he walked out and said, see you later, to all those ones that could get in the pool. He needed a special miracle. But when you, can you imagine being that man? And imagine being on the receiving end of one of those miracles. So for three years, the disciples of Jesus, they watched as the Lord went about all of Jerusalem, all of Galilee, helping. Remember Legion, the demon-possessed man, setting people free, blessing people, healing them, making them happy. Can you imagine then what it must have been like when in John 14, 15 and 16, Jesus changed his message to the disciples can you imagine what they would have been thinking when Jesus said, hey, boys, it's come time for me to go back to the Father. I can't stay with you anymore. You know, it's, it's, you would know what this is like. It's, it's a, it'd be like you're a man that you have loved, a man that has helped you. He was kind of a pastor to them. He was a blessing to them. He was a friend. He was almost a father figure. And now Jesus is telling them, I've got to go. That's why they said, well, what are we gonna do? That's why Jesus said, I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. I have to go back to the Father. I'm gonna go to the cross. I'm gonna be crucified. I'm gonna rise. I'm gonna go back to the Father. He says, but what's gonna happen is I'm gonna send the helper to you. Now this really confused them because they had no idea who the Holy Spirit was. They said, who is he? He said, you know him. He's been with you 
He'll be in you. And on Acts, on the day of Pentecost, He'll come upon you. And He'll mantle you and you'll go forth. Now, they were really confused after that. They said, Jesus must, must be tripping. This. We don't know what He's talking about. And so you read John 14, 15 and 16. He walked them through gently telling them, I have to go, but it's better that I go to send the Holy Spirit to you. Now, the disciples' question was, if you go, Lord, what about all the sick people? If you go, Lord, what about the dead that need to be raised from the dead? If you go, Lord, what about all the people that have got demons? Who's gonna set them free? Who's gonna heal their sick? Who's gonna feed the perishing multitudes? Who's gonna love people? And Jesus turns around to them and says, you're gonna do it. He says, I'm in the Father. The Father is in me. And if you believe in me, we will come and make our home in you. And so you have the Father, the Son, the Spirit in you, and you will go out in the same Spirit that I have and you'll heal the sick. And by the way, if you see the sick, you don't have to ask me to do it. I'm gonna leave you my name. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. Yeah, this is good stuff this morning. Come on. See, see we, we should not walk around like we've lost our best friend, you know. <sighs> I wish Jesus was here. Jesus is in His house this morning in every one of you. And even some people, they get a little bit too sentimental about the church building as though this is God's house. Listen, we think like when we finish church and we go, and this is a beautiful church, by the way, but God doesn't live in here. When we finish service and we leave, God isn't sitting on the chair here like, I can't wait till they get back Sunday night. And He's reading a good book. No, when we leave, Jesus goes with you. He's in you. He goes out on the streets. We are, God, we are filled with Jesus. It's a different model. The setup today is that it's not the body of Jesus, but it's the body of the believer that have Jesus in them. It's a radical, radical revelation. Maybe I could show you this this morning. You guys are getting me too excited. I feel the Holy Ghost. I want, I want to de demonstrate something to you that has changed how I look at the New Testament. And I wonder if we could we have three male volunteers this morning. We've got three men that would quickly come and help me. Very quickly. If you want to come and help me, we've got one coming. We've got a second one. Just need three, three men to quickly come. We've got number two. Do we have a third going once? Th number th Give them a hand this morning. Thank you so much. Yeah, you boys hop up on stage. I need you, you on that side there, one in the middle. Thank you very much for coming. And then one on the other side here. Now, I want to show you something. This is how God has dealt, has revealed Himself to mankind over the generations. Now, God is so glorious and wonderful, you cannot know Him just in, in one go. He never, He didn't pour out the whole revelation of Himself in the Old Testament. It's been little bit by little bit. And this, I read this in a, in a John G. Lake book. He writes about this, the progressive stages that God reveals Himself to man. Now, these three men here, for the sake of the message, we have in our midst, this is Abraham, the patriarch right here. Come on, give it up for Abraham. This is the friend of God, the one who by faith was justified. 
Hallelujah. In our presence this morning, we've got the man who was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights, the lawgiver, the man, Moses the prophet. Give it up for Moses. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But church, you're not gonna believe who we have in our midst this morning. All the way back from the third heaven, past the second first heaven, down to our world, we have the man who wrote all those epistles in the New Testament. Apostle Paul, come on! Woohoo! Paul. Apostle. See, he's always wanted to be an apostle. Your dream just came true this morning. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Listen, this is just for the sermon. When they step off stage, they're back to themselves after this. The mantle stays on the, on the stage. But the first stage that God revealed Himself, because God, man didn't know God, the first stage was the Abraham stage. And to Abraham, God revealed Himself to him as I exist. That was all Abraham had. I'm God, I exist, you can be a friend of me and I have a purpose for you. Now, when you move to Moses, which represents the children of Israel, God unveiled even more of Himself. And to Moses, He taught us, Moses, not only am I the great I am, not only am I a God who exists, but I'm a God who travels with you on the journey of life. I'm gonna go with you through the fire and the water. I'm gonna be with you during the wilderness. I'm a God who sticks close to your right hand. But I'm telling you, church, when you get to the Apostle Paul, what a revelation. This is the mystery that God knew all along. Mystery doesn't mean you can't know it. It just means it's kept hidden for now. And the mystery that God knew from the beginning of time, this is the mystery, the mystery that David didn't know that Moses didn't know, that Abraham didn't know, is that through Jesus Christ, God doesn't just exist, He doesn't just walk with us, but God comes to live in us. Come on, hallelujah. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I tell you, this is the highest revelation that we could know that God comes to live inside man. Come on, one more time. Give these men a big hand as they find their seats. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is the revelation, which is why Christianity is unlike any other religion. There's no religion that, that has this, where the God comes to live in the person. If you told people of other faiths that, they would say you're blaspheming. God doesn't live with, He doesn't even hang around men. God's way up there, we're way down here. And for me to get in touch with God, I need a middleman, I need a magic man, I need a witch doctor, I need this. You travel the world, I'm telling you, people will pay big money to get a hookup with the big man up there because God doesn't relate with men. But see, in Christianity, not only do we have friendship with God, but through salvation, we get Christ in us, the hope of glory. That makes us Jesus' people. You know, there's nothing common about us. Now, we are human beings. We're not gonna go all the way to the other side and say that we're little gods and little... I, I, I personally, I don't preach that. But I'm telling you, we're definitely more than people. 
Paul himself says, if any man is in Christ, and the word he was looking for, he couldn't find. He says, what do I call a man in Christ? It's never been done before. He's, if he's in Christ, he's a new creation. Not even a, per, it's a new type of creature. It's a God person. A person that God comes to live in. And the reason he does that is so you and I can continue the ministry of Jesus. I'm telling you, if you go into nations, and even this nation and city here and the towns around, have you seen how messed up our generation is? Oh, they need God, but we're not writing them off. And I'm saying that, just do you recognise how broken they are? They don't know what gender they are. They don't know why they exist. And when we don't, I do not go out there and beat up on them. I love these people. But people are searching. I remember being depressed. I remember being suicide. But it was not Jesus personally that came to me. But it was a Jesus person that came to me. It was a man of God that had, I could see Jesus in his eyes. He preached the love of God to me. And I said at the beginning of this message, tell me one thing that God can do in this city without your body. He can't do anything without you. We say, well, he can bring revival. What, he's just gonna pour revival? We, we have a very mystical vision of that. No, revival comes when men and women start praying, get stirred and bring revival. Jesus can't heal people without your body. That's why he said, you'll lay hands on the sick you cast out demons, you heal the sick, you cleanse the leper. And so here's where I wanna say something really big this morning. Many of you, you never had any idea of the power and weight and destiny that you have on the inside of you. If you're a born again believer, you're good to go. I mean, you're ready for ministry. You don't have to fast 40 days, pray through, forget that. Pray through what, why people go to hell. No, we're prayed through this morning. Glory to God. Amen. I've had my breakfast, my coffee, read my Bible. We're ready to win souls. And we don't have to pray, God, tell me which person to witness to. What's that all about? Jesus says, witness to all of them. Hallelujah. That'll hold you. <laughs> Some people, God, just tell me. And like as if God's going to say, son, I want you to witness to the one with the red hat and the green socks. Jesus already said in Mark 16, go into all the world. If they're in the world, witness to them. If they're unsaved, preach to them, love on them. But you know, the task of saving sinners and getting people helped and restored and delivered, it is impossible without the ministry and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We cannot do it in our own power. That's why I don't mind apologetics, but you can't apologetic people into the kingdom. <laughs> You're not gonna back them into the corner. They're gonna say, oh, I need to get, you need, to. they have to have revelation. If salvation is a miracle of God. We begin to preach and something of the Holy, you know, the Holy Ghost is there at the beginning of every one of our lives. He's seen us when we were born. He's seen us when he started leading people to our path. He's, he was there when we were feeling convicted in church. He was the one convicting. He was the one that drew you to Jesus. He was the one that birthed Jesus in you. And he's the one that'll keep you saved. So the Holy Ghost is the agent of salvation. 
He's the one that, remember Mary, Mary became pregnant, the mother of Jesus, and the Holy Ghost overshadowed her, gave birth to Jesus. It's the born again experience. You and I get Jesus in us when the Holy Ghost comes on us and births Jesus in us. So I'm, I wanna let you know, we have the power, we have the anointing. I don't need a secondhand anointing from nobody. Why would I want somebody else's anointing? I'll get my own anointing from the Holy Spirit. Hello? <laughs> Amen. If it's secondhand, this is going to be diluted. I want my own anointing from the Holy Ghost, the Jesus anointing. Hallelujah. And each one of us, we just need to contend for the baptism of the Holy Ghost to get under the spout where the glory comes out. To come before God and say, Lord, I want you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to his men, he said, you will change the world. You will heal the sick. You will cast out devils. But I want you to wait until you receive the Holy Spirit that comes upon you. The wonderful thing about the day that we're living in is it's not a time to wait. That was for the early church. We're in the hour of receiving. And can I tell you that from the days of the book of Acts all the way through the 16, 17, 1800s, you read about Lake, Wigglesworth, Reinhard Bonnke, D.L. Moody, all these men, women of God, Catherine Kuhlman, Amy Semple, McPherson, all the, the warriors of God, all of those ministries that have revolutionised the world, they were common men, common women that were humble and sold out to God, but they had an experience where they were baptised with the Holy Spirit. And I wanna tell you, it's different to the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come on us one time and come on us to do this. That's the Old Testament stuff when the Spirit came on Samson. Once the Spirit comes in, He's in! Once we receive Him, church, we just have to let Him loose on the world. We just let Him loose. I tell you, you step out, you'll see miracles. I love atmosphere. We love the presence of God. But we don't have to wait till the atmosphere. We make the atmosphere happen. Glory to God. If they're sick and you step out and pray for them, the Holy Ghost in the He'll bring a healing to them. So this, this brings us to just bringing an encouragement to every person here because there's not one man or woman that's sitting in here at this building this morning that does not have a part to play in the ministry of Jesus. God wants to use you and work through you. It's not just for, for Pastor Peter and for Pastor Dan. It's for all of us. If it's up to us to, it's gonna take millions of years to reach people. But you see, if we all get filled with God's Spirit, all get energised by God's Spirit, we head out on those streets, into our workplace, into our university, into our suburbs and into all the places and we go into all the world. It's like Jesus goes into all these places. That's why the baptism of the Holy Ghost was needed because Jesus was only in one place. When the Holy Ghost came upon, we can be all over the world. I stood in New Zealand a month ago and thought, wow, this is where the end times revival possibly is gonna start from and go to the entire end of the world. You and I are living in the last generation. Can you imagine how David and Moses must feel? 
They're jealous of us, right? They're, they're the cloud of witnesses. They're looking at us saying, not fair, God. God says, if you wanna die, you better hold that in. Not fair, Lord. God says, hey, you've done your part. See, they were the pioneer trailblazers. Do you understand this? That the quality of men and women in this church, it wasn't an accident that you were alive, not in the 17, 18, 1900s. It wasn't a mistake that you were living. God says you're good enough. You have the, the, the stuff to get this done. God says, I believe in you. We talk all the time that we believe in God. I wanna say God believes in us. He believes in us. God's not biting his fingernails saying, oh my goodness, how's hell gonna be saved with a group of people like this? No, God says, they're gonna save them. He believes in us. He has confidence in us. He knows that if we would go up to that next level, that there will be no building big enough to contain the people that will run to see Jesus, that the hospitals will be empty, the brothels and pubs and clubs shut down. I'm talking about an old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival. Oh, we are ready for revival, aren't we? Oh, give God glory. Father, we thank You for what You're about to do. We praise You, Lord, for what You're about to do, Father, in Jesus' Name. You know, we're gonna see what God would do at the altar, but I just, I encourage you, at the conclusion of this service, the best part of these services is gonna be at the altar. It's where all the, all the cool stuff happens. See, we've worshipped our way into the presence. We've, we've preached and worshipped the presence of God down. Now that the Spirit of God is here, it's time to let Him minister. This is where I get out of the way. Flesh gets out of the way and the Spirit of God begins to deal with each one. If you need healing, now's the time to get it. If you need deliverance, now's the time to get it. And if you're dry and thirsty for the Holy Ghost, open wide and drink of the Spirit of God and He will fill you with rivers of living water. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. We thank you, Lord. We're, we thank you for your presence.